Guru Nation, welcome to episode 542 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview Ranak Ganatra. We actually went live together to talk about tech in clinical research, who's responsible for paying the bill of increased efficiencies. Is it sites? Is it sponsors? Is it CROs? Is it vendors? Not going to be vendors. The vendors are the ones selling it. We talk a lot about that. We get into a whole bunch of tech-related stuff in research. We get into some controversial stuff too, so this is a good one. And Ronick's a YouTube member. What does that mean? 10 bucks a month, monthly Zoom meetings just for the YouTube members. So just to give you an idea, Ronick's one of these members on these Zoom calls. Definitely so much value in those monthly Zoom calls. Links to that in the show note. Check that out. Also link in the show notes to Ronick's LinkedIn page. And finally, links to the CRA and CRC academies, both enrolling strong, stronger than ever. And if you need help getting studies for your site or need anything else, site-wise, I have a consulting company. We can help. Low monthly fee, month-to-month contract. Just text me 949-415-6256. With all that being said, enjoy the episode with Ronick. We are live, guys. And by the way, Ronick, it's... Whatever number it shows, it's way more. It's just what it shows here because it's not combining all the three platforms. But this is why I like this thing. Look, guys, we are live. Clinical research is booming. I put the ticker underneath. We look like we're CNBC. (laughs) Don't get me started because we'll start putting stock prices on there. Or with Ronick's expertise, we can start putting market valuations for sites on the bottom what, what are they up what's a site compared to a soybean future what's what's the, <laughs> what's the ratio so how's it going ronick we just had an interesting conversation about tech ronix comes from hospitality background but also highly integrated with tech has been working in clinical research on a number of things i don't know which ones you want to mention but feel free to introduce yourself ronick Sure. Um, well, I'm Ronick. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, so I'm not working on a number of things. One uh, we talked about uh, is the clinical research uh, site venture. Uh, we're looking to acquire some sites and uh, build our own site network, uh, take it public. Um, we also do uh, patient recruitment for, uh, uh, for, for clinical research and clinical trials. And um, uh, yeah, also uh, working on some tech stuff uh, in the uh, the clinical space, more for the on, on the recruitment side. If you look, Guru Nation, this site, this is for you site owners. This is for you people trying to get a job in this space. For you people, especially for you people already in this space. If you look, if you start looking at the sponsors, like the innovative sponsors, like Moderna as an example, they're a tech company. Like they are tech and we we talked about the convergence in the last decade we saw the convergence of media and tech obviously with social media right that those two things converged they're one now it's hard to separate the same thing's happening with financial services and tech those two things they're all they're becoming like the same thing it's hard to separate those things yeah i think health is next the world right that's uh Every industry, uh, even even something as uh, as uh, as slow <laughs> as a clinical research, um, I, I just say that tongue in cheek. But um, no, clinical <laughs> research is awesome. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, every, everything uh, is a tech business or wants to be a tech business uh, or if they're not already. Uh, everything I think will become a tech, uh, you know, it's going to merge. They're going to converge. So the thing is, if you're a site owner or if you're someone working in the, in the space, you got to start getting familiar with these things. Like automation is key. And we're, we're going to be talking to Ronek later about the products he has. And by the way, if you guys follow me, by the way, look, let's stop everything first. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, and share. If you don't know what to comment, put a robot emoji because we're shattering the algorithms with the robots. So it's all about automation. So put a robot emoji. Um, you've got to understand how to automate your processes if you're a site. You've uh, sponsors and CROs are already learning. Sites is next. You have to. You have to. Uh, and if you're someone working in the space, you got to figure out where you fit in in the midst of all this stuff. Mm. Uh, let's go through some of these. Latrice, what up, Latrice? I'm new to your channel, transferring from admin work to clinical research. I found your content very helpful for my career change. Thank you so much, Latrice. Latrice knows what's up. She's putting a robot emoji. Why? Because we're shattering the algorithms, guys. Thank you very much, Latrice. Latrice, make sure that you start learning about tech, how these things are converging. Rod Raphael says it's already happening. All right? It's already happening. Uh, what do you think about this, Ronick? It's already happening. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's interesting if, if you look at this industry, you know, 10 or even five years ago, um, I think there was a survey done uh, where majority of the sites were still using paper, um, you know, s small amount, a very small amount was uh, was actually using a CTMS. And, uh, and now we're seeing that, you know, the, the adoption is increasing on, on all levels for CTMS, for e-source, e-reg, um, anything e basically, uh, it's, it's increasing some, and sometimes that's being pushed by the sponsors or, or the CROs. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing, um, provided that it's, it's done in the right way. So we were talking on our zoom about the philosophical aspects of why sites don't necessarily like to invest in tech. And I think there's several things going on there. I think the biggest one is they're jaded uh, mm. from all the solutions that they've <laughs> encountered in the past, many of which, Ronick, were forced down their throats by the yes. sponsors, right? And uh, ends up just giving them more work and not really any ROI. Mm. Um, so now, and there's another point here too. Sites, in a way, have become entitled, like they expect sponsors to pay for everything. Mm. That's another thing. And the third thing is just they're busy. Like they're busy, man. They, yeah. you know, first of all, it's very busy. Like we're in a very busy phase right now. Uh, on top of that, life happens all the time. Sure. So when, when life happens, everything takes a backseat. That's happening all the time to somebody out there. One of the sites, mm. a couple of the sites. Uh, and finally, I think there's an element of them not wanting to take on more responsibility, even if there's hope that it's going to work. Sure. So 
that's why I think it's hard for vendors to gain traction in the space. Mm. Uh, what have been your experiences as a vendor trying to gain traction? Uh, yeah. Because your products actually work, but what's been the feedback from the sites? I mean, we're we're still very early in this in the process, um, but um, you know the, the the kind of things that I've heard um, and the kind of feedback that I've gotten is more um, it, the reluctance to spend the money. You know, is it uh, is it worth it? Is it uh, am I getting going to get an ROI on it? Um, and and some of the other things that you've mentioned, right? Like um, change is hard for any organization, but especially with clinical research, there's so many moving parts. You've got the sponsor, you've got the CRO, um, you've got the patient, and then every, every um, aspect uh, can have its own tech component. And so, you know, like you said, uh, employees get tired of, of the constant change and the constant um, new things that they have to learn uh, in addition to keeping up with, with just, you know, the clinical aspect of it. Um, so, you know, that's, um, that's probably mm-hmm. the biggest challenge um, even if you're giving something away for free, the, in, in today's age, it's about, um, yeah, but my time is worth money. My, my mind space is worth money, right? So um, right. That's, that's the biggest challenge. Um, and I think uh, it always has to be looked at um, from the perspective of an of ROI, right? So, um, so a tool might cost a, a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks a month, but um, when all is said and done and when, when it's deployed, um, the idea is that it should save money, it should save time, uh, it should, you know, w- whatever the benefit is, um, that, that should, um, assuming that that benefit does come true, um, that should be the gauge of, of any potential investment, whether it's in marketing, whether it's in, uh, in tech or, or anything else. And especially with research, I think it's... Um, the value per patient, it's just um, compared to other industries, it's just so high that it really doesn't take a lot uh, to actually move the, the needle um, and, um, and and kind of see uh, a return. So that brings up the uh, continuation of the uh, philosophical dialogue. Who is Who should pay for this improvement, whether it's an increase in screenings and increase in retention is it should it be the sites or should it be the sponsors or should it be the CROs or like in your opinion you're an outsider yeah as a vendor you're an out you're a stakeholder but you're an outsider from those three key stakeholders mm-hmm. who do you think should pay for this well I mean ideally ideally it's the sponsor right the ideally it's the sponsor or the CRO that's what um, that's what everyone wants to see and and the ROI is there, um, but I, I, let me, I, I can tell you from, you know, if I were a site owner and if I'm making, um, you know, five figures on a study um, and if I have the potential to increase recruitment, uh, I'd gladly pay for that out of pocket um, as a site or, or as a network because um, the ROI is there. Um, so that's one of the things that we're, we're hoping to do with our clinical, uh, with our site venture is that, uh, there's so many tools and resources out there that um, the numbers allow you to kind of experiment and and try different things. And um, you know, even if nine out of ten don't work, the one that does work 
is going to be a disproportionate return on investment because I think the industry is a little bit spoiled in that, you know, uh, there are very few places where um, uh, a visit is worth, you know, four figures, five figures. Um, and um, if it, I was talking to another colleague actually um, just recently, and uh, and he had an offer uh, that um, to me sounded amazing. You know, the, the offer was basically, we'll recruit your patients for you and you pay us um, after the randomization. Uh, and I think it was the, the charges, it started at $1,000. And uh, he was telling me how um, a lot of sites, uh, most sites were resistant even to that, even, um, you know, uh, to a risk-free proposal. And uh, I was kind of puzzled by that because I, I would take that deal all day long. Uh, there's no risk and, uh, and, and, you know, you have the potential to add on revenue. Right. Uh, that to me is a win-win. But um, why? Why though? Why? Like, what? let's figure out why that's happening. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I think um, I think part of it is just you know that um, maybe it, it could be that um, that they're so used to having the sponsors pay for everything that even even having you know a, a minor expense in the grand scheme of things is something that's seen as um, a cost versus looking at uh, at the benefit. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think um, the way I look at it is if you had a vending machine. Uh, and you can put in quarters, uh, and you get back dollars. Uh, how, how many? How many quarters would you put in? Right? You, you would. You you would keep on doing it until, um, until the vending machine stocks out. Exactly. Um, so Even if you have to hire someone to collect the dollars. Oh yeah, that yeah. are I mean, coming out, right? <laughs> uh, you look at the stock market. What is what is the ROI in in in, uh, in a typical year in the stock market? Is maybe nine percent a year. Uh, versus you say, you know, you put in a thousand dollars and you get back 10,000, you know, 10 to one ROI in whatever month, two months. Um, that's, that's a four figure percentage uh, in the thousands uh, ROI. And, right, and if it's right. risk-free, um, I, I don't know how much better you can make that deal, but uh, he had to stop offering that because just the people were not uh, taking him up on it. I think, I think there's a, steep learning curve or a, um, I don't know if it's a learning curve, but it's a, it's a, I think it is a little bit of a learning curve because when sites onboard a new vendor, sure, it requires some time and that is the uncertainty, right? Why am I going to invest time, which I know it's a certain I'm going to lose this time. Mm -hmm. And it's not certain whether I'm going to get ROI on the time. Sure. Just forget the money itself, just the time. Sure. And then the time to actually do that like that's assuming there is free time a lot of these coordinators worked to the eyeball yeah uh, i don't know this is interesting this is why i wanted to go live with you because our zoom conversation was so good i was like look we gotta have guru nation uh chime in on this yeah i think um and and karen just uh made a really good point that you yeah know, let's put it up here so Karen says, this is for the people listening, I'm not opposed to spending money and setting up my site for success early, but I wish there were more scalable options for startups. Is there a huge risk for a vendor to offer discounted prices for two to three months? This is what I suggested, Ronick, given yeah, the pace I, I of the startup. I think that's a very fair um, uh, assertion. And um, you know, we're, we're not planning on doing long-term contracts with, uh, with the stuff that we have. 
Um, but it seems like that's, that's very common in the industry. Um, you know, my philosophy is that if, if the, if it works, it's going to pay for itself and, and sites will stick with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that I, I think that's one of the, um, uh, the downsides is that if, if uh, a vendor is asking for, you know, a 12 month commitment or, or a multi-year commitment, um, it's very difficult as, as a startup to, to be able to do that. Um, so, uh, I agree with that point. Absolutely. As somebody who's running a startup now myself, I can tell you that that analogy you gave me of you put a quarter in, you get a dollar out. I mean, that's who would say no to that. But there's so many moving parts with my startup outside of recruiting patients. Sure. Uh, and I know what I'm doing. There's people who jump in that don't know what they're doing like or less of what they're doing than I do. Their recruitment is just one aspect. Retention is one aspect. They're looking at, will my PI continue to be my PI in six months? Sure. Sure. Will I be able to get the sub-eyes that I need to mm. get this study? Will I be able to make the protocol work? You're dealing with all the startup problems. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of spinning plates, and, and uh, you can't let any of them go, you know, whether it's uh, uh, looking for new uh, studies, whether it's uh, doing the – uh, doing the trials themselves, the recruitment, um, and, and all the the paperwork that's involved, it's um, it's really mind boggling. So it's uh, I don't I don't blame site owners. Uh, it's just it's very overwhelming. <laughs> but for a vendor, uh, but but that's for the startup sites. There you reach a point I think after that one year period, where a lot of the uncertainty from a startup is gone, and sure. really after the two year period also. Um, but then you start reaching other, you start dealing with other problems like scaling issues. Hmm. So you start dealing with, okay, I'm good with like my current staff at doing seven studies a year, maybe eight, but now I'm going to do 12. I, or I want to do 12. Should I hire someone else to be able to do 12 or should I just stick to what, where I'm at hmm. and just be pickier on the eight that I can take on? Yeah, that, that's uh, an important question. Yeah. So it's not it's not so simple, you know. And I think this all these different scenarios makes it difficult for vendors to be able to penetrate the market. Uh, sure. I mean, the closest we have, and they're not even uh, freemium, right? With what Viva is going to be doing with with Site Vault, I think it's called for their mm-hmm. e-regulatory and. Who knows if they're going to start doing e-source. I think ultimately the way the vendors see this is you need the sites to be on board with you, but the money's going to come from the sponsors. And I think they assume, at least the vendors, that the sponsors are responsible Mm. for paying for this. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a unique industry because... Uh, the payment is one aspect, but you also have, you know, some sponsors want to know exactly what's going on and, and they might want to have a, a approval authority on, on anything that's added to any trial, whether it's a, a third party, you know, if there's a recruiting company doing text messages, uh, a lot of sponsors want to know, uh, you know, who's doing that, how they're doing it, whether they're doing it compliantly, Etc. So it's um, uh, maybe our IRBs are also wanting to get involved, and they want to see exactly, you know, if you if you're sending texts, what exactly are you sending? What what is, what is the content of the messages? 
And so it's, uh, it, there's no easy answer. Um, there's, there's just so many moving parts, but um, I think uh, it would be beneficial um, to at least kind of consider that, hey, um, if, uh, if there's a potential for a big ROI, um, that's what's going to drive the, the revenue and, and profitability of, of the site as a, uh, from a business standpoint um, and ultimately help more people, reach more people, reach more subjects and, uh, and, and bring clinical research forward um, you know, the, with the volumes that are going to be increasing over the next uh, years and, and decades. Yeah, it's it's a um, good point with the IRBs. You know, it's complicated enough, even yeah. when you leave the IRBs out of it. Yes. Uh, but when you throw them in, first of all, on a macro scale, the IRBs don't want to do much um, because they don't have answers, right? They just want to do the bare minimum. Mm. But they are te very technology averse. Uh, like their entire business model, it's it's kind of like an attorney. Their default is mm -hmm. no is no. Yeah. Uh, can you do it? No. I remember when I wanted to do Facebook ads back in 2010, 2011, when Facebook first released that. IRB said no. All of them said no. Why? Because it's social and patients can comment and then you lose the fixed IRB approval. That was their excuse, their lame -o excuse back then. <laughs> now they can't say no anymore, so they say yes, uh, but they're initially very tech-averse. So when it comes to something like text messaging, especially when you throw in HIPAA and things like that into the mix, with even when it comes to retention, like these are already patients in your database, mm. um, which brings, opens up another can of worms because if a patient is in your site database, mm -hmm. and I know you're not a HIPAA expert, uh, and neither am I, but let's, let's take recruiting out of it. Sure. Let's say this already your patient in your study. I am a coordinator. I'm texting the patient from my phone. Mm -hmm. Hey, just reminding you tomorrow's your appointment. Technically that's a HIPAA violation. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you like, if you ask an attorney, they're going to say, Ooh, be very careful with that. You know, yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point because, um, you know, you, you, using, using personal cell phones, um, that data is not protected. It's not encrypted. Um, and you don't know where that cell phone is going. The other thing is, you know, do you really want to do coordinators want their personal numbers out there? You know, I, I know a lot of coordinators are, um, they care so much about the patient and they want to make sure everything is, is, you know, kind of, um, up and running, but, um, you know, you're, you're exposing personal information. So uh, it, it kind of goes both ways. And that's where some of the tech can come in and sort of, um, step in. Uh, and, and provide that HIPAA protection, provide that extra layer. Um, you know, to your point, you mentioned um, texting for, uh, for compliance and things like that. Um, you know, one of the systems that we're working on, it actually does that automatically um, and in a HIPAA compliant way where uh, let's say a patient is, uh, is in a study. Um, once they're enrolled in the study, the system can actually send out the reminders according to the protocol uh, to take the medication. And uh, if there's any, you know, potential violation or if there's any uh, potential, uh, you know, if they, they're about to miss their dose or if they're having issues with, with the IP, um, they can text the, uh, the coordinator back and, and they would see that message. Um, and this way, you know, it would prevent uh, violations before they occur. 
Um, the, the other thing is if it's automated now, a coordinator can handle, you know, so many more patients versus, you know, taking their phones and, and, and trying to do it manually. Um, they're doing enough already with, with uh, all the work that they have. Uh, so to try to do that proactively, it's very difficult, but um, it's the ROI is definitely there. And, and um, you know, if, if it could save um, some of that drop off that, that occurs naturally in, in a lot of trials, um, that's kind of the aim that, uh, that we're aiming for. Yes. I think you bring up another good point as far as, and I think we, we kind of came to this conclusion on our zoom call. If you can, because sites feel like they're handcuffed. Like I, I can't wait till I start vlogging like day to day with my site. Like, Hey, this is how I remind my patients. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be, unless I'm using an automated system like yours or Creos, it's gonna be me texting them on my phone. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, but now that I know I have alternatives. All right. It makes sense because I feel like my hands are not handcuffed anymore because mm. I'm not sure what I'm allowed to do, what I am allowed to do. So not only does your tech help me get more patients and be more efficient, but it removes some of the liability from my operations, which I think is worth something. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there um, there are a lot of systems out there that you know that have messaging. It's not uncommon, but um, the question always is: is it uh, is it truly HIPAA compliant? Um, is the you know uh, a lot of systems might claim it is, but to to be truly HIPAA compliant is uh, is a big investment. Yeah, um, and um, and many of them either claim that they don't need to or they're exempt. Um, comparing themselves to like a mail service or, or parcel service, which uh, unfortunately that's not true. If, if that were true, it, it would be a lot easier, but um, because it's, it's sent, um, you know, uh, through, through text, that information is stored somewhere. And then that comes with, uh, with, you know, certain HIPAA obligations, which, um, you know, which, which are very expensive to implement. But um, uh, that's one thing that we have focused on. This stuff, maybe the title of this video should have been exposing all the gray areas in research because all the stuff yeah. that, <laughs> look, all the stuff, you come from hospitality, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, social media is very important for customer acquisition and retention. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. In research, we know the same thing. In clinical trials, of course, social media is important. So we recommend all sites. Hey, have a Facebook page, have an Instagram page, even have a TikTok. I know one of my PIs has a TikTok. <laughs> he has like twelve thousand followers on TikTok. No kidding! Wow, that's uh, I haven't heard. I haven't heard people using TikTok, but I'll, I'll uh, send you his thing. It's a newer platform, and I, I think that's a great idea because it's you know it kind of uh, uh, exposes um, the world of research to uh, to people at large. It's a new demo, but and I use TikTok too. It's a new demo, but here's my point. All right. We're encouraging sites to do all this stuff, myself included. I'm doing it. Technically, if you were to ask Darshan Kulkarni, who's my go-to lawyer for this stuff, mm -hmm. I my site, okay, Yuma Clinical Trial doesn't have a Facebook page. I'll make one. A patient finds me on Yuma Clinical Trials and starts messaging me their side effects or their uh, medical history. Yeah. Technically, that's a HIPAA violation. Mm -hmm. I think 
if I were to ask an attorney, if I asked 10 attorneys, I bet you at least three of them would say yes, if not more. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I think um, uh, and let, like you said, I'm not a HIPAA expert. Um, and it, it also depends on whether they're doing it before they enroll as a patient or, or after. I think there's a there's a difference, you know, um, uh, especially if the patient is providing the information, you can't really control what they message you with. Um, so I, I think there's there's probably some nuance to it. But, um, you know, to your point, I think after they become a patient, it's important to kind of move them over to a more secure medium. Yes. Um, but you, you bring up a really good point that, you know, there's so many things out there. It's like it's impossible for a site to to be on top of it all. You know, you want to be on Instagram. You have a you want to have a great website. You want to have a great landing page for uh, for the for your trial, you want to you want to be able to communicate with with uh, potential subjects in any way possible, but um, it's just impossible to stay on top of it all. And so, you know, you you have to have some way to kind of have a central hub to manage all of that. Which uh, you know, there are tools out there um, that that allow you to do that. And um, especially with with something like. Uh, with research, you know, where a patient can be worth um, four or five figures or more, um, you have to get every last patient that comes in. If you remember our story from last year when, it, when, uh, when we spoke, um, I reached out to maybe six sites um, as, a, as a mystery shopper, um, and the majority of them never called me back, um, and that, that was a mislead for them. Um, so, you know, if it, not trying to push uh, what we're doing, but that's one of the things that we are focusing on. Uh, to kind of have a centralized hub where even if somebody comes to your site, um, just have, you, you've seen the pop-up chat bubble, um, you know, just having that, you can, you can potentially um, bring in some more patients and that's, that's part of the software. Right. right. No, that's amazing. Um, I'll definitely be blogging about it as it happens. Um, so, yeah, I think we brought up enough good, like, you know, talking points here. We don't have all the answers. Sure. Uh, as you can tell, it's a work in progress. Yeah, and the entire industry operates in the gray area. I mean, you want to go macro, like you want to go <laughs> macro and maybe piss some people off. So, the vaccine. Okay, somebody brought me this, uh, this, this, uh, this thought, and it, we actually both know this guy. You, you brought him up earlier. Every study, if you look, has exclusionary criteria for experimental therapies mm. the vaccine i know it's emergency use authorized but it's still an experimental product mm -hmm. but no none of the protocols say with the exception of covid19 vaccine interesting so yeah, technically I, I the entire industry is in the gray area right now forget about mm. hipaa and all this stuff <laughs> just that alone now i know i got some people commenting saying well eua is different well, show me where it's different because I, I don't see that in GCP or in the protocols. Like mm. emergency use is not approval. It's approved. It's authorized for emergency use, but it's not approved. It's a different story Oof. when the vaccine's approved. Um, so I think the way sites are handling it now is just con meds. And I'm not against this. I'm, I'm just bringing up a point. Like everything you do potentially as a site sure. is in the gray area. Sure. And if you ask enough attorneys, some of them are going to tell you this is a violation. That's just their job. Yeah, it's it's tough because um, you know you, the more regulations there are, the the more complex uh, it becomes. 
Um, but on, on the other end, you know, you're, you're dealing with patients' lives, you're dealing with um, health. And so it's, it's so, uh, it, it's a fine balance. And, you know, some, some tend to be on, on one side and, and others are, are on the other side. But uh, it, it's an interesting dynamic to, uh, to observe and watch. Oh, yeah. What a time to be alive. But you know what? With all this uncertainty is all the opportunities for yeah. people like you, Ronick, to come in, for people watching in the comments, for people listening on the podcast. Think about all these problems. Everything's a pain point for a site. And sure. the site is like Rome, you know, all leads, all roads lead to Rome. Yeah. So all ideas in this space lead to the sites. I mean, yes. that's where it's at. Yeah, that's, that's, where, that's at. where the magic happens, right? Um, it's, uh, it, it's an incredible time uh, to be in research. It's an incredible time with, uh, with all the things going on with tech and, and just the world at large. It's uh, uh, for, for the right person. There's just so many opportunities. I, I would, uh, uh, I would advise anyone to, to jump in and, and just explore. There's, there's so much out there. So for those, we're going to wrap up. But for those wanting to follow Ronick, I'm going to get his LinkedIn profile. I'm going to put it in the chat so you guys can see it. Uh, you can, If you're actually watching live, you can click on it from wherever you're at. Um, and if you're watching it on the replay... You just gotta type this in on your browser, and uh, Ronick's definitely someone you want to get to know. So, anything else, Ronick, that we missed? No, or we'll save great. it for next time. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, for coming in or having me on. Thank you, Ronick. And let's get one more comment. So let's give this a few more seconds for people to. All right, pause it right now. That's Ronick's LinkedIn. It'll be in the show notes to you. And then, last one, Alicia says, coming from a diagnostic lab perspective, EUA meant that certain parts of the diagnostic procedure did not need to be completed, adhered to. Yeah, but that's you just adding more gray area because it still doesn't answer the question. It's experimental or not. Who wants to answer that? I mean, who you know, I, I would say, yes, it's still technically experimental. Uh, so anyways, oh, thank you, my Mia from Creo. And uh, thank you, Ronick. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Interesting stuff. You. Drop your comments and let us know what you think. If you get nothing else to drop, drop a couple of robots in there so we can shatter the algorithms. And I appreciate it, Ronick. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Sam.